This is Geology Bites with Oliver Strimple. To unravel the early history of the solar system, we need to look beyond the Earth, since any evidence of such a distant past has long since been erased by the Earth's active geological processes. Asteroids and the meteorites they spawn have been useful in this regard, since they are thought to be unaltered scraps left over from the earlier stages of planet formation. In earlier podcasts, Sarah Russell and Harold Connolly introduced us to the asteroids in general and to recent missions that capture samples from them and return them to Earth. In this episode, we focus on a very special asteroid called Psyche that will be visited by a spacecraft that is being launched in August 2022. Ben Weiss is Deputy Principal Investigator and Magnetometry Investigation Lead on the Psyche mission. He is Professor of Planetary Sciences at MIT. Ben Weiss, welcome to Geology Bites. Hi, very happy to be here. There are a huge number of asteroids. What's so special about Psyche that made us send a space probe there? Yeah, there's something like 800,000 known asteroids. But Psyche stands out because not only is it one of the largest known asteroids, in fact, it's the 10th most massive asteroid, but it's tied for being the most dense known asteroid And we have reasons to think it may have a large fraction of its body in the form of metals. And we think the asteroids are the remnant building blocks of the planetesimal. So we are interested in Psyche because it is likely a member of this population that records the formation and early evolution of the solar system, and while being a unique, perhaps metal-rich world that is fascinating in its own right. I can't resist asking you how Psyche got its name. So asteroids were discovered for the first time in the 19th century. Psyche's full name is actually 16 Psyche. It's the 16th asteroid that was discovered. It was discovered by an Italian astronomer named Annibale de Gasparis in 1852. And in those days, the convention for naming asteroids were after Greek or Roman gods, often female. And so he named it after Psyche, who's the Greek goddess of the soul, She was born mortal, and then she married Eros, who's the Roman god of love, Cupid, and eventually became a goddess. Well, that's quite romantic. (laughs) Do we have any scenarios as to how a body like Psyche with so much metal in it might have formed? So there are two main ideas for how a body that could be so dense. Just to put that in context, the Earth's density, if you were to take the Earth and uncompress it, so some of the Earth's density is because it's under such high pressure in its interior. So if you were going to calculate Earth's density in an uncompressed state, you'd get something like 3 grams per cubic centimeter, like typical rock, maybe 3.5. Psyche is considerably more dense than that. The numbers range between 3.5 and 4 grams per cubic centimeter. And that seems like a subtle difference, but it's actually very hard to explain that unless Psyche has a significant quantity of metal in it, potentially even twice what a planet like the Earth has. So how you do that is a challenge because the planets and the asteroids all formed from a primordial cloud of gas and dust known as the solar nebula, which itself is kind of a fragment of the gas and dust in the local region of our galaxy in the what we call molecular clouds, which are made of the same material. And we think these molecular clouds are the birthplaces of stars throughout the galaxy. And the composition of our solar system, as well as the local molecular clouds from which other stars are formed, is fairly homogeneous everywhere we look. 
And you would think that a planet that formed out of that gas is basically the same composition as the cloud that it's coming from. So if Psyche is dense as it seems to be and is metal rich as a result of that, we think that the only cosmically abundant heavy element that could really increase its density at that level is iron, by the way. Then that leaves us with two general ideas that could have caused that metal ratio to be increased in Psyche. One is that Maybe it did form with a composition equal to the bulk, the solar system and molecular cloud composition. And then it melted. So we think larger bodies like the Earth, Mercury, Venus, Mars, get hot inside as a result of their formation and they undergo large-scale melting and heavy stuff sinks to their center and light stuff will float to the surface. And that's how we get these radially layered structures that we think of as characteristic of planets. Typically a metallic core made out of iron, because again, iron is the most cosmically abundant heavy element, and a kind of rocky exterior mantle. So if that happened on Psyche, that still wouldn't have enhanced its iron abundance. But then you could imagine some other bodies striking Psyche and stripping off its exterior, its rocky exterior, and leaving an iron-rich center. So that two-stage process could be one explanation. It formed like the Earth, but then had its mantle stripped off by an impactor of some kind. The other idea is that Psyche somehow formed with a composition very different from the average solar system and molecular composition, and that somehow it managed to accrete from grains that tended to be iron-rich relative to the surroundings. There's a bunch of different ideas for how that could happen. For example, iron grains floating the nebula may have attracted to each other by magnets to your refrigerator and kind of it stuck together. And then that can be a runaway effect because once those things stick together, their magnetic field might get stronger or their gravity field might eventually get stronger. The growth rate can increase. You can end up being iron rich from that. There are other ways of sorting out rocky grains and only having metal grains stick together, for example, because there was gas in the solar nebula, unlike today. So today, the planets are basically more or less orbiting in a vacuum. But in the early solar system, there was a headwind that grains that were orbiting the sun experienced because there was hydrogen gas around. And that headwind would affect less dense materials like rocky materials more substantially than something that's denser and can plow through it like iron. And so there's ways of winnowing out the rocky material, having it fall into the sun at a faster rate than iron grains might, since they're more resistant to this headwind. And then again, that would lead to a local enhancement of iron and producing an iron-rich body. So that's the second idea, is that Psyche never ever had lots of rocky material, but actually formed preferentially from iron-rich materials in its location in the protoplanetary disk. Wow, that's fascinating. I mean, those are really two radically different formation scenarios. And you said earlier that if we can figure out perhaps how Psyche was formed, this might actually have broader implications for the solar system, perhaps as to how the other planets were formed. How do we generalize, if you like, from what we might find on Psyche? We seek to understand how planets form and how they evolve. And one of the most powerful ways we approach this is through a concept called comparative planetology. We examine the diversity of planetary bodies that we see out there, and then we understand through comparison what basic physical principles and chemical principles shape the formation and evolution of planets by just looking at the diversity of outcomes. And the cool thing about being alive today is not only do we have the eight planets in our own solar system play around with plus 800,000 or so asteroids, 
But now we have 5,000, we just crossed the threshold for 5,000 known exoplanets a few weeks ago. And so we have a ton of planetary bodies that we can work with to understand the principles of planetary formation and evolution. And this includes familiar places like rocky Earth-sized planets, Venus, Earth, and their equivalents around other stars. It includes the gas giant planets, Jupiter and Saturn, which have small rocky cores, probably in gaseous envelopes. It includes other weirder things that we only see around other stars, like water worlds, or like gas giants that are super close to their stars, or they, they even just found a gas ice giant the size of Neptune, but it's got enormous atmospheres, so it's got the density of cotton candy. There's an incredible diversity of bodies we see out there and within our own solar system. And Psyche, that's potentially the densest known object in our solar system, is another end member in that bestiary of planets. So while weird, it's also representative at the same time. We see other smaller, very dense asteroids. There's asteroid Cleopatra, which is actually near the Earth. And there's another asteroid in the main belt called Calliope. We have Mercury, which is a planet, of course, but it's much denser than the Earth. And in fact, we think it may be 80% of the radius of the body is a core, unlike the Earth, where it's about 50% of the radius. So it's basically, you can think of Mercury as a core with a little bit of rock slapped on top. And then there's been these incredible discoveries of super dense planets ranging from half of Earth mass up to like 10 Earth masses around other stars, some of which we think can only reasonably be explained by being iron rich. What's so important about Psyche in all of this is it's the most accessible of these bodies. It'll be the first iron-rich world, we think, that we can visit up close with a spacecraft. And so as we learn about how Psyche formed and evolved, we will learn about this whole spectrum of dense worlds that we see in our own solar system and beyond. For a body that's the size of Psyche, which is about 200 kilometers or so in diameter, impacts from other bodies are a fundamental part of its life because there are many other bodies bigger than Psyche or Psyche-sized around it. So when you're Jupiter, not much can mess with you. But when you're Psyche, there's lots of things that could hit you and do a lot of damage to you. And so for those of us living on the Earth, where we don't think about impacts shaping our normal geologic processes or you know the overall structure of the Earth on a regular basis, when you live on an asteroid, the frequency and energy of impacts are a regular part of daily life, at least on the billion-year timescale and can play a fundamental role in shaping the planet. So that's actually a really reasonable thing that could happen for a small body. The second way I talked about how Psyche could form is that it accreted preferentially from iron-rich materials that are more iron-rich than the bulk composition of the galactic neighborhood. Seems like we already know quite a bit about Psyche, and it's not very big. So how do we know all that stuff before the probe gets there? In recent years, with the advent of telescopes that can correct for the blurring of the atmosphere, we can actually see Psyche's shape instead of it just being a point of light. And so we've been able to determine its volume from that. We can actually even see its shape. It looks like a little egg, maybe flattened slightly. And it looks like actually it's got a big crater in one of its poles that's taken a chunk out of it. Wow, we can resolve a crater? Just barely. It's a monster crater. And we'll see when we get there. The reason I'm saying that with such confidence is that similar blurry images were acquired for the asteroid 4 Vesta. And I have to admit, I was skeptical that how much these images were really revealing about the asteroid's structure. And then when the Dawn spacecraft got there, 
decade later, sure enough, that big crater was exactly where everyone was saying it was from these blurry images. So this technique of using ground-based telescope to determine the shape of asteroids has been proven spectacularly a few times. So we know the volume of Psyche pretty well. What we don't know quite as well, and this is always a challenge for all asteroids, is its mass. So you need to know how big it is in terms of its volume and how massive it is in order to get its density, right? So the volume part's straightforward, the mass part is not. And the reason is, to get the mass of a body like Psyche, which has no known moon, you have to track how other asteroids which pass by it now and then in their regular orbits around the sun get perturbed from their regular motion around the sun. And these are very subtle effects because none of these bodies are passing particularly close. So there's some uncertainty on that mass. And if you put it all together, we get an estimate of the density of somewhere between 3.4 and 4.1 grams per cubic centimeter. So that would be like a really heavy, dense rock. I don't know if anyone's picked up a meteorite, but like a heavy rock like that is what it would feel like. And if you put that together and assume that, that there's some metal in there that's causing this heaviness, maybe it could be up to two-thirds metal, or maybe as little as one-third metal. Depends on how much void space there's in there, how much porosity. And that's a big unknown because we don't know whether Psyche has its primordial structure that was established early in the solar system after it formed, or as a result of billions of years of being smacked by other asteroids, it's basically a pile of rubble with big void spaces in between. So that leads to some uncertainty about its composition. What we see in terms of its size, it's about 140 miles in diameter. So it's about the size of Massachusetts, say, as it's got a big crater in one hemisphere that's almost the size of Psyche itself. So it's clear that it got hit at least once so hard that it almost was to the point of being disrupted completely. And there's some evidence from looking at the infrared and visible spectrum of Psyche. You can infer that maybe there's some silicate, some rocky material on the surface. Something like a low calcium, say, iron-rich silicate. Something with a rocky composition. Okay, let's talk about the Psyche spacecraft a bit. Can you give us a high-level overview of the mission? We have a spacecraft, which is supposed to launch on August 1st on a SpaceX Falcon 9 from Cape Canaveral. It is carrying three instruments, a magnetometer for measuring Psyche's magnetic field, a gamma ray and neutron spectrometer, which will measure the composition of Psyche and an imager for imaging the surface in the visible and near-infrared. And it has a really cool sort of Star Trek-y propulsion system, which is something known as electric propulsion, where it shoots out out of its tail end ionized xenon, kind of a blue glowing plasma, and propels itself forward continuously over many years by the reaction force of just by conservation of momentum. Here it's basically shooting out this tenuous gas that is moving at very high velocity. So after a three and a half year cruise of this, and we'll be flying by Mars in the middle of that in 2023 to get a gravity assist to speed up the spacecraft. We're supposed to arrive at Psyche in 2026, and then we'll go into orbit for 21 months. And we'll progressively lower the spacecraft from higher and higher altitude. We'll start at about 700 kilometers, and then eventually the plan is to get it to about 85 kilometer altitude above the asteroid. And we do that because we don't know the gravity field very well, a lot of lumps and bumps that we're likely to experience and we need to progressively map it to higher accuracy in order to stay in a stable orbit. You're in charge of the magnetometer studies. What exactly will the magnetometer be able to measure and 
How will that bear on the formation scenarios that we talked about earlier? The magnetometer will measure the magnetic field around Psyche. Now, we don't think that Psyche is generating a magnetic field today in the way that the Earth is generating fields. So the Earth generates its own field by churning of its liquid metallic center, its core. Because the material that's moving is a metal, electrically conducting, currents flow through that liquid metal. And then we see evidence for that process by looking at the large-scale magnetic field of the Earth that is generated by these currents. So we call that process the dynamo process. And we think is also ongoing in Mercury today. All the giant planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, are also generating dynamo magnetic fields. The sun's magnetic field is a dynamo from its own churning, as well as most stars. We think Mars did it in the past, as well as the moon. And we see evidence for this as well encoded in meteorites. So in the case of Mars, the Moon, and these meteorites, which are not generating a magnetic field today, we see what's called remnant magnetization. That's like a fossil magnetism from an earlier epoch when these bodies were thought to be generated magnetic fields. So what happens is, if they were generating magnetic field by this dynamo process, materials on the surfaces of these bodies that cooled below a certain temperature, we call the Curie temperature, could lock in a record in the same way that a tape could record music, for example. So we see on Mars, for example, that although Mars does not have a large-scale magnetic field today, the rocks on the surface are strongly magnetized. Likewise, we see this in the Moon, and we see it in certain meteorites. We don't know exactly what bodies they came from, but we infer that they came from asteroids. And they look like ancient lavas that formed on the surface of these bodies. We also see iron meteorites, which look like they were samples of certain asteroidal cores. And some of them, too, are magnetized as well. And so we infer that maybe some ancient asteroids generated magnetic fields by the dynamo process in their metallic cores. However, we've never seen a magnetic field around an asteroid so far with any spacecraft observation. So that's what we're hoping to do at Psyche, see if it has a magnetic field or not. That would be this fossil or echo of an ancient dynamo magnetic field. If that's true, if we find that Psyche does have a present-day fossil magnetic field, then that would support the hypothesis that Psyche is indeed formed from the core of a mantle-stripped early body that was differentiated, that underwent large-scale melting and formed a metallic core. Now, if we don't find that Psyche has a magnetic field, which is entirely possible, then we're going to have to do other things to try to test whether Psyche is a core. Because it's possible that Psyche was a core, but that it didn't actually generate a magnetic field. There's many ways that can happen. Or maybe it did generate a magnetic field by the dynamo process, but there were no materials that were sufficiently cool to lock in a record of that that could be preserved until today. Let's talk about the other instruments. What kind of information will we learn from what they capture? A gamma-ray neutron spectrometer measures the composition of a body by a really fascinating process. So space is full of cosmic rays, very high-energy particles. They originate largely outside the galaxy as well as from the sun. And when these high-energy particles strike atoms, they actually cause the atoms to emit characteristic gamma rays. Each element emits its own characteristic gamma rays when it's struck by one of these cosmic rays. By measuring those gamma rays and their energy, we can actually figure out the elements that produce them. 
Turns out also neutrons are emitted in this process. You can measure them as well. They're a little less discriminatory in terms of elemental composition, but they can tell us the ratio of metal to rock, which is of course a very important ratio that we care about in this mission. So gamma ray and neutron spectrometry together can tell us whether Psyche has a metal rich surface or not. And in particular, they can tell us whether that metal is concentrated in one region and rock in another region, or whether it's intimately mixed at the fine scale. So a metal rich body that has metal concentrated in large regions would be consistent with the formation as a core. Whereas a body that doesn't have a metal concentrated in one region, but is intimately mixed, that would be favoring a primordial unmelted body because the metal wouldn't have been able to segregate spatially from the rock. It's also possible that we will find that Psyche isn't even that metal rich. Maybe the lower end of our estimates, like 30% iron, we'll be able to test that again with gamma ray neutron spectrometry. In which case we would just infer the normal low porosity primordial rocky body like we typically see in the asteroid belt. The imager can further distinguish between these two origin hypotheses for Psyche by establishing whether, again, there are rocky regions that are spatially segregated from metal regions. The imager is designed to acquire much higher resolution images than the gamma ray spectrometer, but doesn't directly measure composition. It's got certain bands or kind of colors that it measures that can allow us to potentially distinguish between various types of rocky materials versus metal. And so again, we can look for whether there has been some large-scale segregation of metal or rock. Another thing that the imager is going to do is it's going to look for craters and map them across the surface. And that's a very powerful technique that we use throughout the solar system. And we can determine the age of a surface by counting how many craters there are on the surface. So the older the surface, the more craters, just because it's had longer for impactors to strike it. So we'll be able to determine the relative ages of different locations on the surface. And it's even possible that we'll be able to distinguish the population of bodies that was striking Psyche. So if Psyche just formed like an asteroid that was iron rich and then never had its mantle stripped off or its outside stripped off, then the distribution of size and number of craters maybe look like what we see on the moon or Mercury. Whereas if Psyche were a body that had its whole outer part stripped off in a catastrophic late impact, we might see fewer craters on the surface because the early cratered surface would have been stripped off and then maybe even if some of that material reaccreted later after it was blasted off, it would create at low velocities because it was in the cosmic neighborhood of Psyche. And so again, have a more featureless surface. The spacecraft will also be conducting gravity measurements. How does it do that and what will that tell us? Yeah, we will be measuring Psyche's gravity field using radio science and the cool thing about this technique is you don't need to carry a special instrument to do it. All spacecraft can effectively measure a body's gravity field almost passively. And it's just because we have very precise methods that we use to track the spacecraft position. In fact, that's, of course, how we know how to communicate with it, how we keep it in a stable orbit. And so just by the very process of keeping track of the spacecraft, which we would do anyway, we have a science instrument effectively you can measure the velocity of the spacecraft as it's in orbit by looking at the wavelength of the radio waves that it emits as part of its normal communication with the Earth. We can see the Doppler effect in radio waves. We can detect change in wavelength. 
and use that as a way of inferring the velocity of the spacecraft. The velocity is important because that tells us how strong the local gravity field is. And so we can infer the mass distribution simply by seeing how the spacecraft subtly changes its velocity. Really cool. This is really important because when we've measured Psyche's density, we want to turn that density into an estimate of its composition. Is it really true that Psyche is made out of mostly metal? Or is it a primordial pile of rubble produced from asteroid impacts over the eons with large amounts of porosity in its interior? If we don't know how much void space there is inside, then we won't be able to do that calculation, right? So if we measure some density and then we find out that that there's lots of void space in the interior from the gravity measurements, then that would lead us to confirm that the non-void space material must be very, very dense material like iron. That reminds me of one of the earlier podcast episodes with Dan McKenzie, who talked about using exactly the same Doppler effect on the orbit of the Magellan spacecraft around Venus to try and infer what was going on and whether there was dynamic topography there. Though I think on a much larger scale, on a much higher orbit than you're talking about here, to be able to figure out porosities, I imagine you'd have to be in a fairly low orbit to get that kind of resolution in the internal structure. The magnetic field and the gravity field get sharper as you get closer. And so that's why we progressively lower the orbit through the mission. It's our best and our highest spatial resolution data will be when we're closest to the body. But that's also the most challenging place to maintain a stable orbit. How low will the spacecraft actually be able to go over Psyche? It's going to start out 700 kilometers altitude and eventually get down to 85 kilometers altitude. It's going to be very close. You mentioned earlier that we're finding thousands and thousands of exoplanets, some of which seem to be these giant heavy Earths. Does that population cast any light on what we might think is the more likely scenario then for the origin of Psyche? I mean, if we see these things... Does that suggest that they all might have been created by your first scenario in which it differentiated and then the rocky outside was blown away? Or could it equally well be explained by the alternate hypothesis? So our understanding of dense exoplanets is rapidly changing by the week. But what we can already see is it's likely that the largest of these bodies probably could not be produced by the mantle stripping mechanism. Just because... When you get bigger and bigger and bigger, it's easier and easier for you to hold on to your rocks. It's almost impossible to strip off the exterior of a very massive planet just because its gravity is so strong. That's where other exotic mechanisms have been proposed, like formation from an iron-rich substrate or having a super-compressed rocky core. Those seem to be a little more attractive for the largest super-Earths. We think maybe for the smaller bodies, maybe Earth-sized, we've even detected now bodies that are half earth size that are inferred to have densities approaching that of pure iron. Those bodies seem to be decent candidates for formation by mantle stripping, like the way we think Psyche may have formed. I probably shouldn't ask you to speculate, but... Love to speculate. <laughs> do you have a hunch as to what we'll find when we get to Psyche and which formation scenario we're going to be favoring at the end of the day? Yeah, I'm probably going to regret this, but I would speculate that Psyche is a mantle-stripped body. So we see tens of thousands of meteorites, and these, we think, are derived from something like 120, 130 parent bodies, different asteroids. Iron meteorites represent much of the diversity of known asteroids, and yet we've never found a single 
iron asteroid. And in fact, that's a conundrum by itself, a fundamental scientific mystery for why there seems to be this disconnect. So that's why I have this sneaking suspicion that maybe this one is an iron meteorite parent body. They've got to be somewhere. If it turns out not to be, that's just going to deepen this mystery as to where these things are coming from. If the destination of NASA's next exploratory space probe was up to you, what would it be? For me, the most compelling destination would be one of the ice giants like Uranus or Neptune. And these two bodies represent a end member of planetary evolution that's essentially unexplored with the sole exception of a several day flyby of each by Voyager 2 in the late 1980s. And yet they are fascinating, mysterious worlds that offer us a huge range of unanswered questions. For example, Uranus has this spectacular moon ring system with 27 moons, five large moons that are icy and show evidence of recent resurfacing, maybe hiding oceans underneath their surfaces, and a magnetic field that's made of spaghetti. It doesn't have the nice north and south pole like we have for the Earth. The planet's spin pole is tilted on its side. Its composition, like Neptune, is fundamentally different from the terrestrial planets and the inner ice gas giants, Jupiter and Saturn. And then these bodies are closer in mass to the most common type of planet we observe in the universe, which are these planets larger than Earth, but a little bit smaller than Neptune, we call sub-Neptunes or super-Earths. And they're just basically terra incognita, so I would vote for going to one of them. I'm going to book a slot for you on Geology Bites in 2026 to see how this all plays out. Awesome. Ben Weiss, thank you very much. Thanks so much. That was a lot of fun. For more about Geology Bites, as well as pictures and illustrations that support this podcast, you can go to geologybites.com.